This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Bring the energy! It's happening. Get it, get get, get, get. For your lives. It's time for MP on the mic. Cunning, capable, agile, flexible. It gets me pumped and it gets me going. Michael Phillips is... Let's go! MP on the mic. Monday morning. Welcome in. Michael Phillips here. The program is MP on the mic. The station 910 the fan. We're now at 1051 FM taking you up. To the top of the next hour at noon, that's when AWOD Radio takes over. He's live at Capitol Alehouse today, guessing he has a thought or two about the Washington Commanders, as do I. Uh, we'll lay those out in a later segment, but we got to give our got to give the flowers to UVA. Uh, what a win by the Wahoos down in North Carolina. First time in program history. They beat a top 10 team on the road, and uh, hey, look, you know, it, I'll I'll hit the I told you so on this the other way I I you know this this is my first I think big I told you so uh, where I you you can you can hit me with that uh, I didn't believe in this team uh, I I told you they weren't going to win again this year I, after the William and Mary game I told you they're going to finish uh, one in ten one in eleven and here they are winning in North Carolina nobody felt better about anything on Saturday night than the UVA radio crew did in the booth. Tony Covington losing his mind as James Jackson seals a Wahoo victory. May standing in the pocket. Hit as he throws, and it is picked off! Did he get it? It's picked yes! For yes! James Jackson! Yes! James Jackson! James Jackson! Holy Wahoo! The first top ten road win in program history! And they have burned everything Carolina built right down to the ashes. All right, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's uh, it's an ex- it's extreme, but uh, hey, it's the oldest rivalry in the South, and it's a it's a first in program history for UVA for the Wahoos. A uh, lot of celebration there, very deservedly so. Validation for Tony Elliott, man gets to gets to come to work with a little uh, little strut in his step today. Uh, he he said. He said this team's got it. And I said even through the slump, this team had the talent. But, boy, they they put together a great game plan. Um, hung with North Carolina. 
This was not a fluke win. Sometimes you get the fluke wins, you know, a couple, couple things bounce your way, whatever it was. This was the opposite. UVA overcame some breaks in this game. It was, they had the ball in North Carolina's red zone twice and got no points out of it. Got down to the UNC one. Didn't get any points out of it. Got down inside the goal line. Again, didn't get any points out of it. Lost the turnover margin. Minus one in the turnover margin. Oh, yeah. And won the game. And beat North Carolina. Uh, Just an incredible day of football down there. Uh, Mike Hollins, three touchdowns to go with his 66 yards rushing. Paris Jones, 67 yards rushing. Tony Musket, 66 yards rushing. That's how you win a football game against a better team. Uh, and and Virginia's got some talent on that roster, but to watch them put it together and watch the way they put it together, very impressive outing. Uh, Malik Washington, your leading receiver, 115 yards. He added a touchdown, uh, a full full team effort across the board. And if we were doing this show in Raleigh, right, if we were doing this show down Chapel Hill, we'd be second-guessing Mac Brown. He made some weird decisions. He made some he made some head scratchers and and there's no doubt about that. Uh, but UVA earned this win. UVA, uh, let's let's go back to the party in the booth here because uh, they uh, they were they were whooping and hollering after the game. Very very impressive. Tony Musket puts his knee to the surface, and the Hoos have done it. They have sent every jaw at Keenan Stadium down to the floor. And Virginia has won it. 31-27. Carolina undefeated no more. John Freeman on the call, the Virginia Radio Network. You heard it on 1140 WRVA, our sister station, the home of the Wahoos. And uh, gives a little bit of juice here down the stretch. A little bit of juice uh, down, down to that rivalry game against Virginia Tech. Gives you a little hope they could they could be competitive in that. Gives you a little hope for Tony Elliott um, that that he maybe hangs around for another year and and can push the right buttons. It's uh, it's a program altering win in a lot of ways. Uh, very impressive showing by the Wahoos. Changes the trajectory of, of who they are, what they can be. Quiets all the talk. I mean that gives you a reset for a little while there. Uh, a pretty healthy reset. You do something that's never been done in program history. Uh, speaking of program history, James Madison football, the Dukes are in the top 25. They've been there before, but man, the momentum feels very real for the Dukes, for JMU. They are number 25 in the nation in both polls. If you ask me, they're probably a little underrated at this point. Uh, I think they're absolutely worthy of their standing as one of the undefeated teams. I actually got to watch a touch of, uh, uh, Air Force Navy. Now, Air Force is the other team that's undefeated out of that group and f- group of five that would potentially be competitive for the automatic college football uh, New Year's Six Bull berth that goes to the best group of five team. So it, at Air Force, they've got a wild offense. It's like the triple option, but they also throw it. Um, they run it very efficiently. Uh, on the whole, though, it was not an impressive win over Navy. They, they kind of squeaked one out, grinded one out. But that those are the teams to watch here. If you're keeping an eye on this James Madison postseason situation, um, money talks and a bid to a New Year's bowl game is a lot of money. 
And it's now, it's not unreasonable to talk about. Now, it's a brutal closing stretch for JMU. So they got the homecoming game on Saturday night out there in Harrisonburg, 8 o'clock. Uh, the little in-state rivalry against ODU. Glad that one's fired back up again. That's going to be a fun game. Never know what's going to happen in that one, of course. Um, but then, you know, they, it's a smooth skating until you get to the finish. App State and Coastal Carolina, your last two. Those are going to be monster games for the Dukes. Monster games for the Sun Belt to monitor as it decides what it wants to do. But if you could get an undefeated Dukes team to the finish line, well, the money gets bigger and bigger with every number you put in front of that zero. Uh, It's going to be a fascinating situation to watch down there. Some other college football over the weekend. Your big game, Ohio State, Penn State. Uh, Gus Johnson was on the call. Gus Johnson did not disappoint. Third down and 11 at the 19. McCord over the middle. Harrison Jr. again down the sideline. Maserati Mar. Touchdown. Buckeyes. Speed. Agility. Power. Balance. Maserati. (laughs) Rising to the moment, Marvin Harrison Jr., of course, the receiver for Ohio State, the latest in a line of fantastic wide receiver prospects uh, to come out of that school. Uh, and, and Ohio State, you know, establishes, establishes itself as firmly on the road to that Michigan game. Uh, that's that's going to be the game. Speaking of Michigan, a uh, wild week for the Wolverines. There was an NCAA investigation opened up into whether or not John Harbaugh sent a uh, a military veteran to go spy on other teams' practices. Uh, there was talk that Michigan State didn't want to play the game. Then before the game, Michigan State put a trivia question involving Hitler on the video board. They later apologized for that. All right, it was a weird week. It was a weird week in Michigan. And then the game went kind of exactly like we thought the game was going to go. And that is going to do it. 49 to nothing, Michigan wins. Here in East Lansing and Paul Bunyan will stay in Ann Arbor. 49 to nothing for the Wolverines. Uh, biggest game in college football coming up. That'll be Michigan-Ohio State at the end of the year. We're in, a, we're in a fascinating situation here. We're in a fascinating spot in college football. This is the last year of the four-team playoff. This is the last year of only being able to pick four, and you can make an argument that all five conferences are going to field a team worthy of the playoffs, right? So no matter what happens, you have to let an SEC team in. That's yeah, and, and that's Georgia. Georgia's worthy of it, but even if another team sneaks up and gets them in the SEC title game, you're always letting an SEC team in. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, that winner's in the playoff. That, that's how that works every year. But then the other three, Oklahoma's undefeated. They're rolling. Uh, hard to turn away an undefeated team from the Big 12. Florida State, uh, undefeated and, and ends their season against Florida. Monster game there. Certainly couldn't keep them out. And Washington, out there in the Pac-12, you could argue even if you end up with a one-loss team out of the Pac-12, that's been the best conference in football top to bottom this year. You got five, filling the four spots. You know, SEC and Big Ten, those are a lock. They're getting their teams in. I, You could see the Pac-12 getting shafted if, if Washington puts one loss on the border if Utah does, you know, because those teams play each other. But I I think they've got the strongest case of anybody. You know, can you leave? You're going to have to leave either an undefeated Florida State or an undefeated Oklahoma out if they both run the table. It's a fascinating year 
in college football. Uh, Alabama gets right. We've been watching Nick Saban, um, early season struggles, gets the train rolling again uh, with a 34-point uh, uh, performance against Tennessee. Very strong showing by the Crimson Tide. Here's your decisive play in that one. Milton stands in. The ball is knocked free. It's picked up by Alabama and rumbling in for the touchdown is the Crimson Tide's Jihad Campbell. We had just spoken about him taking advantage of playing time and he gets the loose football. There you go. Alabama, the winner in the day's other big game over Tennessee, avenging a late loss by a field goal last year. Tons of college football action uh, and then we we fire it back up quickly this week. Hokies Thursday night uh, against Syracuse. Uh, a little Thursday night action in Blacksburg on ESPN. That's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, just as JMU got the spotlight, it's a good good time to be in Virginia, uh, especially with UVA finally finally carrying the flag. Uh, the Wahoos finally uh, getting that top ten win on the road against North Carolina uh, and doing so emphatically doing so with a statement victory. Uh, Malik Washington, I mentioned, 115 yards receiving, added 63 as a kick returner. Um, Wahoo Wah, indeed, as they make school history, reset the narrative on Tony Elliott as the coach, uh, buy him some time and uh, get us maybe a little bit more excited than we were a week ago for that rivalry game against Virginia Tech because both both teams are going to have a lot on the line that day as, as we fly towards Thanksgiving weekend, what's always a really fun day of football in the Commonwealth. We'll switch to the NFL side when we return. If you got thoughts on the Commanders, I'm all ears. Uh, I was there, 833-804-0910. It didn't look any prettier in person. Um, it, w- it was a rough day for the Commanders. So we'll take your calls on that, 833-804-0910. Go over the uh, Commanders Day. Take a spin around the rest of the NFL as we do on Mondays. This is 910 The Fan, now 1051. This is MP on the mic on Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM. Monday morning, eleven nineteen. It is a victory Monday for UVA, a misery Monday for the Commanders, and that's who we dive into right now because there's a lot to get into here. And to me, it starts with Eric Bieniemy this morning. And hey, look, this debate has been going on all season because you got Sam Howell at forty sacks. Sam Howell has been sacked 40 times this season. He's not on pace to break the NFL record. He's on pace to obliterate the NFL record. If he continues at this pace, he will both have the NFL record for the rest of his life and probably be dead by the end of the season. It's it's tough to be Sam Howell. The debate all season long has been essentially who is it? Is it the offensive line? The offensive line's not very good. Is it the coaching? Is it Eric Bieniemy not putting him in the correct play calls and, and situations to succeed? Or is it Sam Howell? And Sam Howell himself has shouldered a majority of the blame on this show, in my opinion, doing the scorecard every week, watching the film. Not yesterday. Not yesterday. And look, quarter. I, I completely buy in to this analytics thought that, that quarterback sacks 
are a quarterback stat, not an offensive line stat, right? You can you can do things to avoid it if you're the quarterback. You can do things to throw the ball away. A sack is sometimes an indication you did not correctly read the defense pre-snap and did not put the people in the correct places. So the sack reflects the quarterback more than the offensive line. That's what the analytics people will tell you, and, and I'm here to tell you they are right. But yesterday against the Giants, I mean, just brutal game. Br- brutal game all around. The offensive line stunk. This was, we, we'd been waiting for this for a while. All right. I got my scorecard here. I got my legal pack because I'm, I'm back on the beat. I'm back at these games. Was up in the Meadowlands yesterday watching this for, from high above at MetLife Stadium. Six sacks. Four of them I definitively scored. That's on the offensive line. The offensive line missed a block. Never had a chance. Sam Howell never had a chance, right? So uh, True Media tracks these things. 2.2 seconds was the average time to throw for Sam Howell. That's not acceptable. You can't do that in the NFL. One sack, I scored as on Eric Bieniemy because I was freaking tired of watching Eric Bieniemy call plays in an NFL game. We deserve better as viewers and fans than what Eric Bieniemy brought to the table in the first half yesterday. His worst game since arriving in Washington. I didn't think it was particularly close. One sack... Could have been on Sam Howell. Could have been on the offensive line. I scored it a 50-50. The line got pushed back quickly. Howell did pump fake. Probably could have just thrown it away on the pump instead instead of hanging around trying to make a play. But it was all done in less than three seconds. Really bad day from the offensive line, and uh, I talked. I talked to Nick Gates after the game. Talked to Andrew Wiley after the game. They know. They understand. They're professionals. They know what happened. Is we didn't do our jobs. Nick Gates is that simple. I didn't do my job. I didn't give Sam Howell time. Period. He, you know, what was it? I don't know. We'll go back and look. But that's what's important right now. I didn't do my job, and because of that, he didn't have a chance. And that's that's correct. Um, the offensive line wasn't even close to good enough yesterday. But Eric Bieniemy wasn't close to good enough yesterday either. And he was putting his guys in bad positions. And put Sam Howell in bad position after bad position against a defense that was not a mystery. The Giants' defense is not an unknown. Wink Martindale is the defensive coordinator there. He's he's a, a legend in the NFL, blitzes more than half the time, uh, blitzed more than half the time yesterday, brought pressure, but it wasn't anything unique or special. He's just bringing pressure and, and watching the offensive line fold. And the amount of time, the number of possessions it took Eric Bieniemy to adjust on that. One, it should have been zero possessions. It should have been no possessions for Eric Bieniemy to adjust to what the Giants defense was doing because they did what they had done in the other six games this season. They showed what they had showed on tape. If he's in the, I don't know. Is he watching the prices right all week on TV? I don't know. He wasn't watching the New York Giants because they did what they do every week. And he just, Plowed ahead with his game. This is how I'm going to win games in the NFL. This is how we're going to run this offense. I used to have Patrick Mahomes. You don't have Patrick Mahomes anymore. You don't have a good enough offensive line anymore. And you did not put your quarterback in a position to succeed. You put your quarterback in a position to get sacked six times by a defense that had five sacks total coming into the game. They doubled their total and then some added a bonus on top in one game, what it took him six games to do earlier this season. Eric Bieniemy did not put his players in a good position. This was, this was his worst game by far. 
Then the second half, they make it happen. You get the rollouts. You get the screen passes. My goodness, they remembered Terry McLaurin was on the team. They threw it to Terry McLaurin. I am so happy Terry, Terry McLaurin got paid because he's sure not getting any action. I mean, I get that he's covered a lot of the time. This this receiver group doesn't, on the whole, get a lot of separation. It probably goes back to the coach, a little bit the receivers. But you can throw it to Terry McLaurin and he'll catch it. He doesn't miss those contested catches. It's... uh. You know, after the game, Sam Howell gave his assessment. Here, here was Sam Howell after the game. Uh, what happened on these blitzes? We just got to do a better job winning our one-on-one battles. I got to do a better job getting the ball out of my hands. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. You know, they have good guys up front, and the the way their front structure, you know, they demanded a lot of one-on-one, you know, reps with our with our guys, um, and it makes it tough. You know, especially in passing situations when those guys know they can just tee off. They did. They they teed off, and Sam Howell just. His coach just put him right there in the middle of it, did not give him a chance to succeed. That was the most frustrating part of the game yesterday because that's what this season is about, right? Is Sam Howell the quarterback of the future? And is Eric Bieniemy the coach of the future? Those are the two things we need to figure out by the end of this season. The rest is noise. I've said this before. It bears repeating on this Monday where everybody is calling for Ron Rivera's head. Ron Rivera is not coaching this team next year. Everybody knows that. Josh Harris knows that. Ron Rivera knows that. Everybody knows that. Ron Rivera is not coaching this team next year. There's also very little to gain by firing Ron Rivera right now, which is why I don't think it will happen. Uh, You know, there's not a logical choice on staff who would represent an immediate upgrade. Uh, maybe you do it to be enemy to give him a trial balloon. But honestly, at this point, you need to let him figure out how to call plays and do the offense first. You don't need to be putting more on his plate. You probably need to take some stuff off of his plate after this week because that was a bad performance by Eric Bieniemy. It wasn't good enough. Is Sam Howell just a, I mean, we've got to figure out if Sam Howell's the quarterback or not. You can't do that when he's sacked 40 times. And a lot of that was on him leading up to this week. He didn't get a chance to work his way out of that this week. And that's the thing. I want to see against Philly next week. Eagles come to town. Obviously, the Eagles are going to beat them. It's the NFL. You never know. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll come up with something between now and then. But can they establish the run? Can they get the running game going? Because the running game wasn't going. Uh, total number of carries there. Uh, Chris Rodriguez was pretty much the same as Brian Robinson. Seven touches for Rodriguez. Eight touches for Brian Robinson. Robinson was not in there in some key third down situations. I don't know if something was going on. Maybe something was going on. But Brian Robinson, eight touches is not the correct number of touches. In a game that was a one-score game almost the entire game, they weren't behind. They weren't in obvious throwing situations. They had the opportunity to run. They had the opportunity to establish themselves. But I think uh, I I can't go to break without playing the Jonathan Allen clip because I think this... This sums it up, man. You're not going to hear much of this clip, but uh, but but this is Jonathan Allen showing his frustration. What's the evaluation like after a loss like that? They whooped our ass, plain and simple. Got to be better. Anything they did that surprised you guys early on? No, I want to say so. I think it's just a lack of focus on our part, a lack of attention to detail, not starting fast, and creating holes that are too big for us to overcome in the second half. Does it get frustrating when that deep? Yes, it does. I'm f***ing tired of this I'm f***ing tired of this bullshit. It's been seven Years of the same. Tired of this. What can you do now going forward to get it turned around? Get our minds right and get ready to play Philadelphia. 
Jonathan Allen with J.P. Finley of NBC4 and uh, our Odyssey sister station in D.C., 106.7 The Fan. Uh, he puts on a very nice radio show with Brian Mitchell each day. Uh, he, Jonathan Allen, it's been seven years. Seven years of this stuff. Seven years. We've all seen this show, and you're just texting people. Nobody was optimistic yesterday against the Giants. The Giants beat them. It was a chance to show... Not that not that every not that there was a case for everybody staying or that this is a great thing. It was a case to show that you had learned something in four years. And unfortunately they've learned nothing. All right. Go national NFL in the next segment. We'll take your calls. 833-804-0910. This is MP on the mic on a Monday morning. It's 910 the fan. Now 1051 FM. This is MP on the mic on Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM. It's a Monday morning. It's 1048 and uh, we're devoting a bulk of the show to the Commanders. Uh, The reason we're devoting a bulk of the show to the Commanders is because that was an abomination against football yesterday. And it was depressing to me because Eric Bieniemy had had his worst game as an offensive coordinator, and he was kind of one of the bright spots I was clinging to. And it was uh, also embarrassing because Sam Howell didn't get a chance to see if he was any good or not because the offensive line just caved under every single bit of pressure the Giants threw at them. So on the whole, it was it was not a good game. Uh, and and we're spending time on UVA's win, a monster win for the Who's. But lots going on in the world of sports. And uh, I was back out at the golf tournament Friday, so we were live there Thursday. Then Friday after the show, I went back out there for a bit. Uh, my guy Mike Svetitz, uh, front page bets. He, you know, he he had one of the they called it a chalet. They had a chalet at the golf tournament. Um, now that that's a skiing word to me. I've I've never been skiing in my life. Um. So I don't, I don't know what a chalet is. Apparently that is French for free booze. Um, so it was it was a lovely time in the chalet. Um, and it started raining. And uh, what do you know who Fluff is? Fluff is a famous cat. He was Tiger Woods' caddy forever. Um, he, he's very distinctive. Uh, Fluff is his name. I think he has an actual name, but his name's Fluff. He's a famous caddy, caddied for Tiger forever. Anyway, ends up coming into the booth, into into the chalet during the rain delay. Uh, uh, Jim Furyk was in there, and uh, David Duvall were in were in the chalet with us, hanging out for half an hour. So it was a good time at the uh, Dominion Golf Tournament. Uh, Harrison Frazier, your winner yesterday in a playoff, uh, bested Richard Green. Uh, of Australia in the playoff. Richard Green was a guest on our show Thursday. So I think it's a very real thing. If you appear on this show, you get the MP on the mic bump. Uh, He made himself $180,000 this weekend. Richard Green did in Richmond. So that's pretty good. The one thing I don't understand about golf and broadcast, I actually brought this up. uh, uh, Our guy Pete Haley uh, is in New York now. I got to see him on uh, Saturday, he works at the Golf Channel. Does does all the Golf Channel things. This is, they they don't play up the money. They've got to play up the money because it like for me, it's like ah, oh, this golfer's fourth, this golfer's fifth, he's sixth. Like you know, just these are places. But there's like forty grand on the line between each place. Like if you make or miss a putt at the end of the round, it's like a forty thousand dollar putt. And and the winner got three fifty, three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Second place, Richard Green got $200,000. That's not bad. 
That's 150 grand right on that one hole. They got to play that up more. There's drama, man. That's good stuff. Uh, VCU basketball news popping over the weekend as well. All right, we got one good, one bad. Uh, here's the bad. Sean Berstow, uh, he's one of the two main transfers who came with Ryan Odom from Utah State. He's going to miss six to eight weeks uh, after suffering a foot injury this week. Uh, probably did not play in the in the secret scrimmage over the weekend. Uh, so Sean Berstow out. So uh, that's, uh, you know, it, it's it's a roster that does not have a ton of depth to start with. Uh, more opportunities, certainly, uh, for the other wings there. We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, along the way, uh, the the British kid, um, you know, uh, I'm blanking on his name. The British kid, a- Adam's in here. What's his name? Toby Lawal. Toby Lawal. Thank you. Yeah, um, we'll <laughs> uh, get get a little bit of action. Um, then Max Shulga, uh, buzzer beater to beat South Carolina, 79-77 in in the secret scrimmage they're allowed to play. Now it's not a secret because I'm announcing the score on the air. I think that makes it less of a secret for sure. Um, but a, uh, a very fun, uh, game down there. I'm guessing, uh, that was a closed door scrimmage. Max Shulga hits the buzzer beater, beats South Carolina. Now, before you get excited, South Carolina is a name team. South Carolina was not any good last year. Um, so this isn't like, you know, sometimes they, they've scrimmaged against UVA. They've done that a lot. That's all, you know, you, you get, you probably get a real sense of how the program's doing there. So th- this isn't like a marquee win, you know, go dancing down broad street and celebrate it. But we celebrate all success. You now, VC bas- VCU basketball this is the home of the Rams here, 910 the fan. Um, so good, good on them. Uh, you'd rather start with a, uh, with a win than a loss. Uh, we'll keep, keep an eye on uh, the Sean Berstow injury. Baseball uh, got wild on Friday night uh, between Houston and Texas. And then this happened. First pitch inside that head him. And Garcia gets in the face of Maldonado. Marvin Hudson gets between them as the bench is empty. Garcia went right toward Maldonado. He feels like he's the reason that he got hit on the first pitch there. As soon as that pitch hit Garcia in the elbow guard, he turned around and got chest-to-chest with Maldonado before Marvin Hudson intervened. Astros may be taking exception by the celebration of Garcia on that three-run homer. Certainly seemed like there was intent there. And now all six umpires huddling to decide what, if anything, should be done here. They're going to toss Abreu, I believe. And Dusty Baker is incredulous with his hands up in the air saying, how do you do that without a warning? Three umpires are over there talking with Dusty. He just threw his cap down. He is hot, and Dusty's just been ejected. Houston comes back, wins the game. It's an 0-1 count to Altuve. Astros down 4-2, the pitch. And Altuve hits it in the air pretty deep to left. Carter is back at the wall, leaves, and it is gone! It's gone! It's gone! It's gone! Jose Altuve gives the Astros a 5-4 lead! How do you like that? All right, so we got a replay of the of the Nats World Series now. It's Rangers Astros, and the road team has won every game. And it's Game Seven tonight in Houston, eight o'clock. Uh, Rangers and the Astros, and uh, our old friend Max Scherzer towing the mound for the Rangers uh, after a rough outing in Game Three. Gave up five runs right out of the gate. Helped the Astros get back in the series. He's back from an injury. Uh, shook off the rust. Here's here's Bruce Bochy 
on uh, Max Scherzer getting the start tonight, Game 7 for the Rangers. First of all, Max is starting. He gets the nod tomorrow. And we've talked about this so many times. Uh, during the season, we've had our ups and downs. We, we've had some tough streaks, uh, injuries. But these guys keep getting up, and they keep bouncing back. And it's about being resilient this game. That's uh, Max Scherzer, our old friend, towing the mound tonight at Game 7 in Houston. That'll be fun to watch. Plenty more on the other side, including more on the Wahoos, the Commanders, and everything else you want to talk about. This is MP on the mic. It's Monday morning on the new 910 The Fan, now 105.1 FM. FM. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.